0: It was the first day of fifth grade. Excuse me while I get myself ready here. First day of first day of fifth grade. Um and and I walked in my class with the the regular cast of characters. There's my twin sister Mindy and and I walked in with my best friend Randy and and my good friend Frank and Tim Hicks and uh and there were a couple of my cousins, Datha and Jim and um uh, and, and and my my cousin Benny that lived right behind me we we all walked into class and and really for the most part it was all the same people that we had left fourth grade with uh, walked and sat down in the cat the, the classroom and, and then I saw her the new girl the, the, the this girl appeared in the doorway and oh my goodness she had a pretty little dress on and the cutest little blonde curls she was so cute and. And and I remember thinking to myself, I want her, <laughs> I want her to be my girlfriend. Uh, and and it didn't take long. And and I was spitting a, 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 along with uh, probably all the other boys in my class with uh, with Tammy Krauss, the new girl. Oh, she was cute. And and so I remember a couple weeks into school, going to my twin sister Mindy. And as one advantage of having a twin in class, I went to Mindy and I said, Mindy, will you? ask Tammy if she will go out with me. <laughs> I was too scared myself. So, so, so. Mindy came back uh, uh, after our next break and said, she said she will. Wow, I was going out with Tammy Crouch. Now, I don't know what that means in fifth grade, because all, all it really did was I sat by her during lunch, and that's really all the going out we did, but uh but but i was going out with tammy krauss the prettiest girl girl in school it was about a week later that mindy came to me a little sadness in her eyes and said well just need to let you know tammy broke up with you (laughs) darn who am i gonna sit with at lunch (laughs) uh it it took about an hour for me to get over it and then you know i was in fifth grade so life went on There was basketball to play and and uh softball and so forth so 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 i got over fast forward if you will uh several years later uh and and I remember seeing her, and and the thought, the thought in my mind was, I, I, boy, I want her. Now we'd been friends actually for a semester leading up to that that point, but came back after Christmas break my sophomore year, and 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 really for the first time I saw Rita and I saw her, and I remember thinking I want her, and and, and literally I thought this. Now I I, I don't. I don't mean to sound arrogant because I was, wasn't at all, but I remember thinking to myself, literally, I'm going to marry her. And I don't know how I got the job done, but it, but it worked out, and I did. Jesus um, Jesus sees us, and, and the reality is, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, the first start of, of this sermon. Jesus sees us, and the truth is, when he sees us, his thought, his desire is that he wants us as well. He wants us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Uh we're we're gonna look and, and finish up this idea, this this story when Jesus called uh called Matthew. If you'll remember we talked uh two weeks ago and, and it's kind of in your notes, and I will let you know I'm not gonna make it all the way through the sermon. We're gonna skip a little part at the end because I got too much. Um and uh, uh but but we we noticed two two word sections. The The first one that is that that Jesus saw. He saw Matthew, and, and then we'll look at the second one this morning. Verse 13, once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came in and began to teach them, and as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, and there were many who followed him. Uh, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. We, we looked two weeks ago at the idea of being seen, that Jesus sees the person, he also sees the potential, and He's able to look past the past. He sees it, but He doesn't judge us according to our, our past. Here's the second thing. we uh, the, the scene, and now we see the call. And the two words there, it's obvious we've been talking about We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Jesus says once He saw Matthew, when He saw him at the tax collector's booth, even though no one else did, everyone else would have looked right past Him. They didn't care about this old tax collector. But Jesus saw him, The second thing he did was call him when he said, follow, follow me. But when Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, it came, it came with a cost. We, we read this story and it's, it's almost like, it's almost like kind of a cute little story. You know, Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee, he sees Matthew, he calls him, Matthew gets up, follows him. It's all kind of, Kind of need and put together and and, and all that. It's almost like we're we're looking at a children's Bible and and we're telling the story in Sunday school and we we flip open to a page and and there's Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee. See the waves on the sea and we flip the page over there and and then we say, look at all the people that are following him. But do you see the guy sitting over there? That's Matthew. He's a tax collector and the people don't like him. And then we flip the page and and we see Jesus stopped. Now, what's Jesus saying to Matthew? Here's what He says, follow me. And we flip the page over. Well, look, Matthew's standing up and he's following Jesus. And then we flip the page one last time. And look, everyone's high-fiving Matthew. And they're hugging him and they're welcoming him into the fold. And, and we see that story almost like it's a children's story. But, but the reality is that's not what the story's about. The story's about a call. It's about courage. It's about commitment. And, and it came with a cost. It came with a cost to Matthew. Now let me, uh, let, let me get this out there. Um, Jesus sees us, and when he sees us, he calls us. When he sees you, he's, he's going he's to throw out a call. Generally, generically, that call is follow me. During our walk with him, sometimes that call changes and there's there's different aspects or the, or he finds tune fine tunes it for us but but when Jesus sees us he's always going to call us and it's always going to have a cost see it costs matthew when when he got up and followed Jesus the first thing it cost it, it cost him his job when he when he stood up and said jesus i'm going to follow you." and walked away from his job working for Rome as a tax collector, he basically walked away from his his line of work. The, the reality is, Peter and John and James and Andrew, those guys that were fishermen, if this thing with Jesus didn't work out, they could always go back to the Sea of Galilee. In fact, we see that after Jesus uh, w- was resurrected. They headed back to Galilee. I guess we're going to be fishermen again. Not so with Matthew. What was he going to do? Because once he walked away from his job with Rome, he was done. He wasn't going to go back to the supervisor. Hey, yeah, you know, this uh, Jesus thing didn't work out so well. Can I can I be a tax collector again? They just would have laughed in his face. And 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 the truth is he walked away from his job. He walked away from his identity. Now, now no one liked him, uh, particularly in the religious circles. They looked at him as a turncoat, they looked at him as a sinner, he was vile. But but he did have a group of friends. We see from the text that after Jesus. sinners the, the 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 religious leaders kind of threw that out as a, a a slam when they lumped a bunch of people together as sinners but the truth was they were right the the ones that he hung out with were sinners they, they, they were probably guys that lived pretty fast and women that were pretty loose and 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 that was his lifestyle fast and loose and he walked into the unknown see See, it cost him when he he stood up and answered the call. See, Jesus simply says to Matthew, follow me. Do you notice he doesn't explain it? He doesn't describe it. He doesn't sell it. Um, he, He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't even ask it in the form of a question. It actually is an imperative statement, follow me. Now, church, there's, uh, there's certainly application here for us. And, and the, the, the truth is, I, I guess I can only speak for myself, and maybe some of you can follow along here and, and, and nod that, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's how I feel as well. But I have a feeling that, at least for myself, that sometimes the truth is it scares me to follow Jesus, it scares me that there's a cost involved with it um, let, let me let me illustrate this I love shredded wheat um, uh, I, I've got some here and, and if you want later i 'll share some with you. I love shredded wheat uh, anyone else love shredded wheat yeah when I was a kid I used to do they still make the big ones don don my can you still buy the big the big old pillows looking I love that when I was a kid I love shredded I shred, it. and you know the the reason I like it is because it's good for me. Right here it says excellent source of fiber, and and so when I eat shredded wheat, I feel really good about myself because I'm eating healthy. Now those of you, your date's coming, you're going to have to give up for fruity pebbles and fruit loops and and uh, frosted flakes. Although I had some last week, thank you, Rita, for buying those for me. Um, but by and large, you're going to have to move on because the doctor says fiber's good for you for some reason, and so you, and. And so I love shredded wheat because it's good for me. You, you, you know what's on the backside of this, don't you? It's actually sugar-covered sh- shredded wheat. Because who would eat it if it didn't have sugar on it? It's like eating straw. I mean, it it's crunchy, it's kind of nice texture, but it doesn't taste good. I eat those those big ones when I was a kid, but the sugar bowl was right next to me and I, I, I lay, lathered on a whole coat of sugar and it wasn't too bad. The, the reality is oftentimes we, we want the gospel. We, we want Jesus to tell us, follow me, but I fear for myself and, and possibly some of you as well. I, I fear that sometimes I want it sugar coated. I want the gospel, but I don't know, I don't know if I, if I really want the gospel that Jesus was selling, I don't know that I want the gospel that he preached to Matthew after Matthew got up and walked away from everything. I don't know if I want that kind of gospel. You know, I don't, I don't know if I want the kind of gospel where Jesus says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Man, do I, do I want that kind of gospel where I have to love an enemy? Now, now I guess, if you tell me, I guess I could pray for ISIS. You know, there are a bunch of heathens, and they're you know. But I could pray for ISIS, and I could pray for Russia, and I could pray, I you know, I could pray for some of those terrorists, and ah, maybe I, I guess yeah, I'll love them and I'll pray. But you know what? That's not what Jesus is talking about. I guess we can make that application. But but what Jesus was talking about when he taught this to Matthew and the other followers the other disciples, the the groups that were around him, when when he said, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, for them it was real world because they were persecuted. They did face enemies. All of the apostles except for the apostle John died violent deaths. Matthew, tradition says, was run through with a sword because he preached about about jesus so when jesus said love your enemy and pray for those who persecute he they knew he wasn't talking abstract he was talking real world that they were called to love people that didn't love them back and and here's the truth i i I wonder if the first application really is that jesus wants us to take this a little bit a little bit more narrow kind of fine tune it just a little bit pull it in a little bit closer to home, and I'm wondering if Jesus doesn't say, okay, start with this loving your enemy thing. I'm going to get in trouble here. Start in the church. Enemies in the church say it ain't so. We don't have enemies in the church, do we? Uh, I, I see the church as family. I, I'll, I'll be honest, and I'm not just, I'm not just saying this. I, I, I genuinely miss being here last week. That was the worst part of being sick last week. When I got sick Saturday night, I knew I wasn't going to be here Sunday, and I genuinely miss being here because we're family. I, I, Johnny, another great job on worship this morning, man. Just I, I so love being here. We're family, but sometimes even in family, there's enemies. I mentioned a few, a uh, few weeks ago. I went back to Illinois to perform this, the the uh, funeral service for my aunt, my aunt Punk. Um, the night before the service, my, myself, my brother Rick, who was gonna, uh, who was gonna help me with the service, my sister, um, and, and a couple cousins, we, we met, and we went out to eat with Gala. that was my cousin, that was Aunt Punk's daughter, and we talked about the service, what do you want for the service, you know, scriptures and certain different things, and, and, uh, some, some cool stories came out of that, but we, but we, we got talking then just about life, and we were telling old stories, and, And somewhere in the conversation, I don't know who brought it up, someone asked the question, "Gaila, do you remember why your mom, my Aunt Punk, and Uncle Les, which was her brother, my Uncle Les, why they didn't get along? Now I grew up knowing that Aunt Punk, and by extension Aunt Fizz, the other, and she's the only sibling left alive, that Aunt Punk and Aunt Fizz didn't like Uncle Les and his wife Aunt Mary. But I never knew why. I knew they didn't talk to each other. If they were forced to be in the same room, they stood on different sides of the room. And and, and I knew there was strong tension there. But growing up, I, I had no idea. The cousins all got along, so it didn't really affect me. But I remember as an adult asking my mom one time, well, do you know what happened? And mom's like, I don't have the foggiest idea. But that came up in our conversation. I said to, we said to Gayla, I said, do you remember what happened? She said, yeah, I do. So we were kids and we were over at Granny's. And, uh, Aunt Punk and Aunt Mary got into an argument. And then, and this is my cousin saying, then she said, and my mom picked up a frying pan and hit Aunt Mary in the head with it. Enough said. I know why they didn't like each other. I finally understood why the feud. Now, Now, it's funny, but it's also sad. It's sad that for 30 more years, 40 more years, Whatever that argument about, and of course no one knew what the argument was about, still drove a wedge between brother and sister. And you know what's even sadder? My, my Aunt Punk had four children. I said we met with Aunt, uh, or with my cousin Gayla. She had four children. Three of her children refused to go to the funeral. Three of her children refused to go to their mother's bedside when she was dying. Three of her children didn't tell her goodbye even though she was calling their name and asking to see them and I can't help but wonder and I love my Aunt Punk I can't help wonder if the spirit that she had towards her brother and sister in law that anger that frustration I can't help wondering if she didn't end up teaching that to her children and it came full circle Jesus says and maybe that's why Jesus says to love our enemy. He calls us to love our enemy and pray for those and, who, who persecute us. And, and church, I, I, I say this as clearly as I can, it starts here. It starts in this body that we must love our enemies in here first and certainly moving out. Now, now, and that's not me saying it. You can be mad at me if you want, but that's Jesus. And I know it to be true because Jesus, the, the night before he was, was to be crucified, meeting with his, his inner twelve one last time, and, and he, he spoke so many powerful things to him that night. One of the things he said, one of the things he prayed for was this. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, this was Jesus' prayer, more or less the last prayer that he prayed for his his leaders. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's the message of, of the apostles, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I, you and... You are in me, and I am in you. Jesus prayed for unity. Uh, Jesus also prayed, or, uh, said in, in John thirteen, same time period, thirty four and thirty five. A new command I give you: love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. How how, how are you going to know? Because we care about one another. We love one another, even if we butt heads and get upset with one another. We can still love one another. John fifteen twelve. A new command is this or my command is this love each other as I have loved you. And how did Jesus love? Do you remember how he did? He he hung on a cross and he looked down, he looked down at his closest friends, his disciples, his apostles. He looked down at the ones who just hours before had said, "We will die for you, Jesus." He hung on the cross and looked down at those who had all to the man turned and ran and said, "Father, forgive them." And and he looked down at at the crowds of people who a week before had been shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, had, were excited about Jesus, but just hours before had stood in unison and said, Crucify, crucify, crucify. And he said, Father, forgive them. And he looked down at the Roman soldiers who had mocked him and had beaten him and put a crown of thorns on him and and shouted to him, "Who who's the king now? You come down for that." And he looked down and he said, "Father, forgive them." We're we're, we're called to love our enemies. I don't know if I want that kind of gospel. I, I don't know if if I want the gospel where Jesus says I'm to love my neighbor as myself. You, you mean I've got to look past myself? I, I've got to I've got to look at someone that. And Jesus described what a neighbor was. It's not necessarily the guy next door. It's someone that's in need. I've got to love them like myself. I have to look past myself. I've got to love them like the guys at the, at the Haven House that, that we've been ministering to. You know, you know, I have to go there and serve them a meal and, and maybe even more importantly than that, step out into the dining room and sit down and say, so what's your name? Tell me your story. And and visit with. I've got to love them. I, I I've got to care about the women at the Doves Shelter. You don't know about that one yet, but that's something we're going to be doing here real soon. Is helping out with the Doves um, uh, Women's Abuse Shelter in Atchison. It services uh, Donovan County, Brown County, Ashton County. We're going to partner with them. You mean I, I've got to look at these women that I don't know and I don't understand their stories, but I've got to care about them. I, I've got to I've got to care about children who've been abandoned by their parents. And stuck in a system to care for them, like we're going to do with Caden's Closet. That's going to be spinning up here real soon and, and and reaching out and trying to help those. I've got to, I've got to care about poor kids and poor families in Mexico. I, I, that's a whole nother, you know, I've got to care about them. I've got to, I've got to care about hurting people next door to me here in Donovan County. I've got to see them too. Uh, and if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to rearrange my priorities, and I don't know if I want to do that. Margot Starbuck, in her book Small Things with Great Love, tells this story. Said she was walking in a park one day, and and she uh, noticed a pair of tennis shoes sitting on the on the the sidewalk. They they were just sitting there, and they looked almost brand new, and they they were obviously women's shoes. And she she saw them, and she stopped and kind of looked at them, and and then kept on walking, and if she did, she's kind of looking around, and she doesn't see a soul, so she stops and turns back around and looks at him again, and walks back and looks around again. How odd, a pair of tennis shoes sitting on the ground there, and she kept looking and didn't see anyone. She she thought again, well, there's some ones, and she started to walk off, and then she, she noticed her shoes, and her shoes were pretty ratty. She was a poor college student at the time, and she thought... You know, those looked about my size. And so she backed up. She looked around again. Leaned over, up, li- lifted up the tongue just enough to see women's size 10 and a half. She had a big foot. Women's size 10 and a half. And she said, she, she paused and looked around one more time, then looked up. God must have put these shoes here for me. And and so she sat down, it's not going to hurt, sat down and slipped them on, oh, they fit perfectly, laced them up, walked a couple steps, still no one in sight. And finally, she kind of wrestled a little bit, but finally she decided, you know what, God blesses us sometimes in mysterious ways, thank you Lord, and she walked off with those shoes, and said she enjoyed those shoes for a couple weeks, and was just really having a good time, and one day she was driving driving in town and she saw Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a homeless lady and their college ministry helped out with the homeless and so she had come to know this Elizabeth. And as she drove by her, she waved and, and she said, I don't know why, but inexplicably I glanced down at her feet as I drove by. And what I saw there were shoes that were tattered and torn and barely on her feet. And she said, as I kept going, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me. And I fought it. Well, these are ten and a half. They fit her, and and she started to keep going, but she just felt the spirit, and so she turned around and came back, parked, and went over and found Elizabeth and greeted Elizabeth. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. And then she said to her, Elizabeth, what size shoe do you wear? She said, Elizabeth gave her kind of a blank stare back, almost like who asked that question, and then and and then she could see her thinking like, I don't know. You know, it's been so long since I bought a pair of shoes, and then finally, after thinking for a while, it's almost like a light bulb went off. Like, oh yeah, I remember. And she said, "Ten and a half." Margot says that she that that it was both the toughest and the easiest thing that she ever did when she took the shoes off and said, "Here, Margot, I think God wants you to have these shoes." Do I, I want a gospel that requires me to look out for others? You know I don't know if I want a gospel that requires me to forgive yeah. Matthew 6:14 and 15. now I want to remind you here that this is Jesus talking, not Tim. guess what Jesus says for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive also will also forgive you. Still Jesus talking here, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Colossians three thirteen and 14, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know if I want a gospel that requires me to forgive. Uh, my, my wife has what, what I think is one of the greatest capacities to forgive. I've seen it many times. You can only assume since she's married to me that she does. Uh, but sometimes it's a struggle. It if it deals with her children or her husband, she sometimes has to repent over and over again. Uh, and I can tell you some stories there, but I won't, because I want to talk good things about my wife. Uh, we had an incident happen when we attended Central Christian. Um, I had a gentleman that, that did me wrong, basically. It wasn't a big deal. I got over it. Just, that's kind of my nature. I got over it pretty quickly. No, no big deal. But not Mama Bear. She, uh... uh it upset her and, and I remember having the conversation with her after everything had kind of fallen out and, and, uh, and, uh, we talked about it and, you know, said, you know, we're, we're gonna have to forgive him. And, and I, 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 I remember Rita saying, I know I need to, but I don't feel like it. I will sometime, but I'm not going to now. I remember it was about two weeks later she came to me after church one Sunday, and she had a smile on her face. No one else would have understood what she meant by this, but I knew exactly what it was. She came up to me and said, I shook his hand. I I knew what that meant, but I'm not going to hug him. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks later that she came up triumphantly one Sunday with a big old smile on her face, and she said, I gave him a hug. Not a real good one, but I gave him a hug. She went from being adamant about her right to hold on to her anger to being excited about God giving her the strength to let go of that anger. See, forgiveness is a choice. The reality is, let's cut ourselves some slack. The reality is, for us, it doesn't always come easy, and it doesn't come immediately. God can forgive and forget. God can cast it as far as the east is from the west. God can take it like scarlet and and turn it to white as snow in an instant. All we have to say is, God, forgive me, and it's gone. We're not like that. I understand that. Guys, we just have to accept the fact that sometimes it takes a bit, and it will not happen if we don't choose to make it happen. If we don't choose to have God give us the strength to forgive, Realizing that, you know what, this week I'm just gonna walk by and not give a dirty look. And next week I'm gonna walk by and smile weakly. And next week, if God gives me the strength, I'm gonna shake their hand. And maybe a month from now, I might hug it. And in two months, I might mean it. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. And God's gonna give me that strength. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I want that kind of gospel. Rock hires me to forgive. I don't know if I want the gospel where Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. I don't don't know if I want the kind that requires me to put him above me. But Jesus said to Matthew, he said, follow me. Follow me. But here's the truth, folks. If you want to have the peace that passes understanding, A peace that passes understanding of the world, and I'll be honest, even surpasses our understanding. If you want that kind of peace, if you want hope that gives you comfort, no matter what's going on, no matter what your hardship, no matter what life may throw at you, no matter what your difficulties might be and your heartache might be, if you want a hope like that, if you want assurance that God's grace covers your every sin, and when he looks down at you, what he sees is his holy beloved child redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If that's what you want, then that's the gospel that Jesus is talking about when he says, come, follow me. See, see the truth is, I want the power to be able to look at an enemy and pray for them and love them. That's the kind of gospel I want. See, the, the reality is, I, I, I want to be able to look past myself. I want to see the people that Jesus sees. The, the, the unseen, to me, most of the time, I want to be able to see those. I want to look past my own needs and my own heart and, and see other people like Jesus. That's the kind of gospel I want. I want the kind of gospel that empowers me to forgive to, to to look past my hurt and my harm and my pain and somehow get over it in the name of Jesus with His power. That's the kind of gospel I want. I want the kind of gospel that strengthens me to deny myself, strengthens me to not sugarcoat the gospel, but to live by the gospel. See, when we believe the words of Jesus, we have power in Him, we have victory, and we have the heart. We're going to be finishing right now, so the team, if you want to come on up. The second thing we see, there, there is a cost. If you want that gospel, it's going to cost you. You're, you're going to have to submit. It really is all about saying, Lord, you take over. You give me the strength to do this stuff because I can't love my enemy. I can't forgive. I can't deny. I can't look at other people and love them, but you can through me. Man, if I have the power through you, I can do it. With Matthew, there came... A change. See, he was changed by his 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 uh, contact with Jesus. When when he got up that day and started to follow, he said goodbye to his past and said hello to Jesus, and it changed him. and And here's the route. This is what he ended up doing. Do you, you catch that? As we've read that text, you, you catch what he did. When, when he saw Jesus, when Jesus said, follow me, the first thing he did was he gathered his friends around him and he said, will you join me? He threw a party, a banquet, got all of his tax collector friends, all of his sinner friends, all of his loose friends together and said, I want you to see this Jesus. I want you to hear this Jesus. I want you to have the call of Jesus on your life. Folks, I think it's about four weeks till Easter. We're pretty crowded up here today. We've got, I see four open pews here in a couple spots. We're kind of crowded. We're a little thin today. But, guys, I want to fill this church. Can I challenge you with this? Can I challenge you to be Matthew? Because when Matthew answered the call, the first thing he did was he invited someone. He said, tax collector friends, you've got to see this Jesus. Center friends, I know your life's pretty rough, but come on, let's, let's go to Jesus. Over the next four weeks, would you invite people Come see the Jesus. Come see the gospel that he's called you to.